You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Which players in this year's draft class are going to exceed expectations? Sam and I are going to give you a couple of our favorites, some of our favorite guys from this year's draft class that we believe are going to outperform their draft position. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Spotify Greenroom app and find one of our Locked On rooms. You are locked on the NBA draft. My name is Sam Ferris. I am one of your co-hosts. And as always, I am joined by the fantastic co-host, Cody. Cody, how's it going for you this afternoon? It's going really well. I'm super excited for today's episode. Sam and I are going to talk about some of our favorite players in this year's draft class, just guys that we believe in that we think will outperform their draft position. The first segment, I believe we're going to talk about Trey Mann and which player for you, Sam? Uh, We're going to do Josh Giddy is my guy in the first segment. Josh Giddy and Trey Mann. And then in the second segment, we're going to discuss JT Thor for Sam and Austin Reeves for myself. And then the final segment will be Sharif Cooper and Rocco Pierkson for Sam. Yep. So before we jump in and get into the guys that we consider to be our guys in this class, what we mean by that, and Cody kind of hinted at it at the top of the podcast, is these are the guys that we like the most compared to consensus. Uh, Another way of saying that is you could say that we consider these guys to be some of the best values in this draft. And, you know, last but not least, these are just the guys that we want our names attached to as evaluators, guys that we really believe in. But, Cody, let's dig in and let's start uh, with your guy. I think Trey Mann is the first guy you wanted to hit on. Um, why are you higher than the consensus this year on Trey Mann? And as we do this also, I've written down uh, where these guys are on mainstream boards. And then Cody and I will tell you where about these guys are also on our personal boards. So with Trey Mann, he is ranked 21st on ESPN, 35th on The Athletic, and 31st on CBS. So on average, he's ranked 29th on mainstream boards. Let's start kind of uh, with where you have him on your board, Cody. At least give me kind of a range of where you think he might fit in. So I'm okay with him all the way up to 10. And I would probably say the range would be 10 to 16, which, you know, is considerably higher than the late 20s, early 30s. I've got him in the 15 to 19 range, so slightly lower, but still a guy that I have 10 plus spots higher than the consensus. But let's dig into the why behind that. So why is he one of your guys in this class, Cody? So now more than ever, skill matters. I remember loving the NBA in the early 2000s, you know, all the way up until really 2012 or so before this modern era really took off. And uh, just kind of wondering why they ran so many bigs out there. Why did Kendrick Perkins always play alongside Kevin Garnett? Why not run KG at the five? Why was Rasho Nestorovich playing five next to Timmy Duncan? Uh, 
now more than ever, we see that we are putting skill on the floor in the NBA. A lot of, you know, quote unquote, small ball lineups, but oftentimes they're just putting very skilled perimeter oriented basketball players on the floor. Even guys that are 6'10 and taller that can play the perimeter. Well, we've seen it in these playoffs. You got to have people, players that can create looks for themselves and for others, especially when things tighten up in the playoffs. The defenses get a little better. The whistles aren't blowing quite as much. Uh, You need guys that can create stuff up out on the floor. And Trey Mann is one of the more skilled players in this entire draft class between his handling, his step back shooting, the the pull up shooting, the three point shooting from a standstill, whatever it is, uh, he is one of the more skilled players on the ball in this draft. I still think he's growing. Uh, he came in around six five in shoes. He's going to have to put on some more weight, be a little tougher. But I think he's going to be awesome on the offensive end of the floor. Yeah, and the numbers certainly back that up. He ranked in the 90th percentile in college basketball this year on jump shots off the dribble. And Cody, when I look at potential self creators in Cade and I see Jalen Green, after that, I think you could make the argument that Trey Mann is number three when talking about self creators. I mean, he is so good at creating space for himself, whether it's, you know, shifting to the side, stepping back. I think he also has fantastic touch. I love, I posted this on Twitter, but I love the high arcing floaters. And he can also go high off glass around the rim. Just that combination of space creation and touch is very, very valuable in today's NBA. And he's not a small guy either, measuring at over six foot four. So, yeah, I mean, the package is there that, especially in today's NBA, where we've seen that you just can't get enough creators off the bounce, especially when they have enough size like he does, those guys are very, very valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And the what I also love about Trey Mann is I think he has the creation upside. I think he'll be able to take advantage uh, of his perimeter skill set, skill set scoring the ball. But I believe that he is going to be a great distributor at the next level. I'm not necessarily saying I'm drafting him to be the primary guy on ball, but I do believe he can do some secondary tertiary playmaking. I think he's great out of the pick and roll. He's great at seeing those open lobs to your rolling big man. And uh, he's just a really heady player. And I think the passing and the swinging out to the perimeter is only going to get better. Yeah, I think this is a good transition now to my first guy in this class. That is Josh Giddy. Again, I'll give you where he's at on the bigger kind of consensus boards. On ESPN, he's at nine. On The Athletic, he's 10. And on CPS, he's number nine. So you might be asking yourself, I mean, he's already looked at as a top 10 guy. You know, on average, he's kind of around ninth or 10th on these mainstream boards. Well, to me, I have him locked into my number five spot on my board. And while it's only, you know, four or five spots difference in the consensus, you know, when you look at that difference at the top of the draft, you know, every spot there at the top is a pretty big difference. And so that's why I do have him as one of my guys in this draft. When we talk about creators, like we did just did with Trey Mann, 
Uh, Josh Giddy might not be the same level of self-creator, especially on pull-ups, but at six feet, nine inches at his age and with the production that he did show in the NBL, I think he is probably one of the best bets after Cade Cunningham to be, you know, a potential primary ball handler at the next level. Very good in pick and roll. I would argue the best passer in this class, uh, plus that size is just so valuable uh, at six foot nine. Yeah, so I also have him up around where you have him on your board. Uh, I'm a big giddy believer. And yeah, I mean, you you said it best. Having the size at six eight six nine with his basketball IQ, his basketball intellect, that is just the great foundation, the great main ingredients to a basketball recipe. And you could say we're giddy for giddy. I think he's going to be fantastic at the next level. And, you know, if that three-point jump shot is really starting to come around, then he's going to be a huge deal. Yeah, and I believe that, you know, sometimes when we discuss upside or potential in terms of NBA players, we almost always look at physical traits, whether it's height, jumping ability, And going back to, I know Cody and I played like 2K NBA Live when we were younger. You know, the guys with the highest potential rating were like the Stroh Miles Swifts or the Tyrus Thomases, right? Those guys (laughs) with the physical tools and you'd simulate five years down the road and Stroh Miles Swift and Tyrus Thomas, those guys are like dominating the NBA. But I think that, you know, uh, IQ, feel and skill can really lead to some high-end outcomes, especially when you see it in guys at this young that are putting up big numbers in a pro league. We saw it already with LaMelo that, you know, he put up good stats, wasn't that efficient, but he comes over to the NBA. The NBA game is a bit more spaced out, and he's got no problem year one. He was very productive. And so I think we'll see similar from Giddy this year. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about that point on past podcasts, how the NBA really is a lot easier uh, offensively compared to like the NBL or in Europe. Luka Doncic has been quoted as saying that it was a lot harder in those European leagues than it is the NBA. Just the way the game is officiated, especially, but the size of the court, the space and yeah, and the lack of Uh, really being able to do anything as a defender, it it makes it tough. It's geared towards offense and giddy at that six, eight, six, nine size with, you know, the requisite uh, quickness. He he's going to take advantage of it as well. I think he'll get better in the NBA. Yeah. And my final point on Josh giddy is that, you know, we talked about him as a potential primary creator at the next level. That's why I really value his upside, but even if he doesn't necessarily become a primary or even necessarily a high-end secondary on-ball guy, um, guys with his size, his smarts, and his skill set, they tend to find a way to succeed in the NBA. And some similar guys that had kind of similar statistical profiles at his age are guys like Kyle Anderson and Ben Simmons, where those guys, you know, Probably wouldn't say are primary ball handlers, maybe not even secondary, especially not in half court settings, but they found a way to be productive players. And I think that that'll be the same for Giddy. Joe Ingles is a comparison you'll see where, you know, even if he isn't your point guard on the ball, he's going to find a way 
being a ball mover, playing off the ball. He's another one of those guys similar to Franz that can be a bit of a grease guy offensively, just makes everything run more smoothly. Um, we're going to take a break now, but coming up after that, we're going to get into the next two guys we have on this list, uh, which is JT Thor for me. And Cody, who are you going to hit on in the next segment? Austin Reeves. This episode is brought to you by Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team, sport, or league. It's the perfect place to start or join conversations. You'll find fans just like Cody and I and just like you, and you can even find some locked-on hosts from leagues like the NBA, MLB, NFL, and NHL in their own green rooms. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. All right, Sam, let's get into this second segment. You want to start with JT Thor or Austin Reeves? Uh, we'll start with your guy, Austin Reeves. I think both of these prospects are viewed more as second round guys, though I will say that JT Thor's stock has been shooting up. Uh, I've been on board with that, you know, on the JT Thor bandwagon for quite a while now. So it's exciting to see his stock rising, but even still, I'm higher than most. Um, these guys, though, are mostly second round guys. So starting with Austin Reeves on ESPN's board, he is listed as the number 44 prospect. On the Athletic, 41. On CBS, 43. So on average, we're talking about, you know, the 43rd best prospect in this class. Cody, where do you have him on your board? So I would take Austin Reeves anywhere from 25 and back. So I think if you believe in him, if you're not so concerned about the age and you still think he has, you know, 10 to 15 productive years in the NBA, uh, then I don't mind teams taking him that high. I also tend to be more relaxed. I, I give teams a lot of uh, wiggle room to take guys they like because, as we've said before, we will get this draft wrong, and there will be some guys taken way later that would look like a steal at 25 down the road. So uh, I have Austin Reeves pretty high simply because, kind of like we were talking about with Trey Mann, the dude is a baller. He is so skilled. He's going to be 23, or he already is 23. He'll be 23 this month at the draft. Uh, so he is a little bit older, which concerns a lot of people. But he had a fantastic college career. And if you watch him this last year at Oklahoma, he is extremely skilled. Extremely skilled basketball player. Um, he can, I mean, for Oklahoma this last year, his his main skill was putting the ball on the deck out of the pick and roll isolation, whatever he will beat his man and get to the rack at will. Uh, the three point jump shot wasn't quite there this year at 30%, but it's really interesting. If you look at his career, when he started at Wichita state, and then even the year before at Oklahoma, he has shown that he can knock down threes at Wichita state. He shot well into the 40% and he's a career 84% free throw shooter. Yeah. So I have got a stat for you on that. 
Cody. So I looked at just prospects that are projected to be drafted, and I ranked them by the amount of pull-up jump shots attempted per game. So number one in this, you know, if we're ranking them by pull-up jump shots attempted per game is, in fact, Austin Reeves. Number two is, or wait, no, sorry, Cade Cunningham, number one, Austin Reeves, number two. So pretty fascinating there that number one, Cade Cunningham went from a guy that the jump shot was kind of the question mark to a guy that took a heavy diet of them and made them at a good rate. Uh, Austin Reeves was number two, and both Cade and Reeves shot them at the same percentage, both of them at .866 points per possession. But Cody, I think that really illustrates your point beautifully that he was asked to carry a huge load at Oklahoma. He was asked to take difficult shots. When the shot clock was winding down, the ball found its way to Reeves. Uh, Just a very difficult shot diet. But when you look back at earlier in his career, specifically at Wichita State before the transfer, he shot the three really, really well. And so the hope with him, like you said, is maybe scale back that usage a bit. I mean, it's just not likely that he's going to be given a primary responsibility at the NBA level. But coming off the bench, if he's like a second or third ball handler, spot up guy that attacks closeouts. I really believe that you're going to see some of that efficiency return. Plus, you're going to get the benefits of a very solid passer, uh, a very tough player. And Cody, one of my favorite rim finishers in this class as well. Yeah, I know you posted some of his clips um, on Twitter, but his, his finishing at the rim is so creative and fantastic. He's a guy that can use every inch of the backboard, left or right hand. Uh, and he keeps the defense guessing. And yeah, I think when you have a guy that that's talent, that talented and that skilled and the shooting projects uh, to be very good, very solid. Uh, I think he's totally worth the flyer on. And it's important to notice he's got good size too, about six, six in shoes. And he is a quick enough athlete where he, he beats his man off the dribble constantly. So I really like Austin Reeves uh, anywhere from 25 and on. Yeah, we'll use this as a transition to my next guy, who is JT Thor. And kind of the through line with these two guys is, and Cody and I have talked about and harped on this before, but my strategy for targeting guys in the second round and as undrafted free agents is I want guys that are just one thing away from being a guy that you're excited to have as part of your core moving forward. So naturally, I'm often looking for wings, and that bears itself out. If you look back over you know, the last 10, 15 years, you'll see that the majority of guys that do make it in the NBA that are either drafted in the second round or undrafted free agents are generally between six foot five and six foot eight. And Austin Reeves fits that, and so does my guy, JT Thor. Um, and when I'm looking for guys that you know might just be missing one thing Uh, away from becoming a a core guy, you know, in terms of building your franchise. Oftentimes that is the jump shot just because the jump shot is the swing skill with so many guys. But with JT Thor, who is my next guy here, I really buy the jump shot. But first, let me start with where he is on the consensus boards. 
on ESPN 28 on The Athletic. He's all the way down at 75, which I frankly don't believe is very accurate anymore. And on CBS, he's also at 25. So on average there, we're looking at a guy that they project to be drafted at the beginning of the second round. I am much higher. I have him in the back end of my lottery in the 10 to 14 range. Cody, um, I'm guessing you might not be quite as high on JT Thor, but where would you guess that he might slot in on your board? Well, this is where I give a lot of variability in my board and what other teams are thinking, because uh, he could totally be a guy that people saw as a mid to late second rounder that looking back in eight years, he finishes top 15 in a redraft. It happens every single year. And so I have no problem with someone taking him as high as you have him. Uh, for me, he's slotting kind of like Reeves, maybe 25 and after, but um uh, I also agree that he has major, major upside with his physical tools, uh, the height and the length and his ability to move on the perimeter that um, I could totally, totally see having him up in the middle of the first round. Yep. Yeah. So right along with what you were saying, he's got the physical tools. He measured super well. You know, the wingspan was seven foot three plus uh, measured it like a legit 610 as well. I think he makes a ton of sense as kind of a modern four that can space the floor. I think he's going to get to the point where he can also put the ball on the deck a bit. Um, he he shot the ball, especially off the dribble, surprisingly very well this year. But it's actually not that surprising to me because for his size, his jump shot is so versatile. He shoots, he's got a quick and high release that lends its to being able to hit shots both off movement and pulling up off the dribble. So I think that's kind of a high-end possibility that you do have to bake into your evaluation at some point. But in terms of just kind of a median general outcome of what I expect from him is a 6'10 guy that can guard multiple positions, can move very well. I think he's going to be scheme and coverage versatile. I don't think he's a guy that will be played off the floor in the playoffs because he can mostly switch, I believe, and I think he can guard his own position too. But the jump shot is where I really buy him. Like if you're to ask me who is one guy that you believe in their jump shot much more than the percentages indicated, uh, to me, JT Thor would probably be that guy. He shot in the high 20s last year on threes. But if you just look at the shot and especially also just reports we've been hearing about him in the offseason, I really believe in his jump shot, you know, moving forward and projecting him three, four years into the future. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Sam, is he so we've talked about in years past and this year Mm -hmm. about drafting certain players uh, within the lottery that are projected to go in the lottery. Uh, we've talked about how certain teams will take these players when you and I think they could draft someone else because there's a replacement player they could get way later. This year, I I think of someone taking Kai Jones, top 12, maybe top 14 lottery, uh, as kind of a mistake when I think you can get JT Thor much, much later. Now Thor is rising a ton, so maybe that won't be the case. And they aren't like a perfect player comparison, but I kind of... I would rather have JT Thor 
much, much later than taking Kai Jones really early. Yeah, that is a good one. And can I take that even one step further? What about for me? I I think this this is another way to look at it. it might even be another good comparison, but a guy that I you know I prefer JT Thor over Jonathan Kaminga. I think those guys actually will end up playing and fulfilling a similar role at the NBA level. But I actually think that, you know, their physical tools are different, so it's hard to compare. But I like JT Thor's length. I prefer his shooting ability and his defense. So in terms of actually fulfilling a positive role for a good NBA team, I personally believe, and I know this is a really hot take, (laughs) I'm not saying this is the consensus at all, but I think there is as good of a chance that JT Thor fulfills a good role for a good NBA team as Jonathan Kaminga. So, yeah, I think Kai Jones, Jonathan Kaminga, I think that's kind of an interesting thought you're getting at there that if you can get him 10, 15, maybe even 20 spots after those guys, that is the kind of value we're talking about. I love it. And with that, let's get into a break and then we will discuss Sharif. Cooper and Rocco Perkison. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Uh, I've talked about it before. I'm not a guy that loves protein bars. I generally don't love the taste, but it is different with Built Bar. I love the flavors they have, and you can celebrate your freedom of choice because Built Bar has so many different options to choose from, including Cherry Barcia, Raspberry, mint brownies, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and more. Um, Plus, they're all covered 100% in chocolate, which is big for chocolate fans like Cody and I. And last but not least, they are healthy, health-conscious guys. Uh, You can note that these are very healthy. Cody and I like to look after our health like most people do. And so all-around Bilt Bars are just a fantastic choice, whether it's for the taste or for how healthy they are, get Built Bar. And because you're listening to us, you get an offer. Go to BuiltBar.com and use uh, promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. So go to BuiltBuilt.com for 15% off. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball is in full swing, pun intended, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. You get all the latest nudes, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online. You can use your laptop or your mobile device and check out all the sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Use promo code LOCKEDON to let them know you came from us, and you'll receive 50% off welcome bonus for your first deposit. So head to their website, get that stuff entered in, make some bets, and... Uh, Use promo code locked on all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Sam, let's get into this. So, final segment here. We have Rocco and Sharif. Where would you like to start? Well, these guys are both guys for me that you know I prefer much more than the consensus. Let's start with Sharif Cooper. I will give you where he's at on these mainstream boards. On ESPN, he's at 18. On The Athletic, 23. And on CBS, 28th, that comes in at an average of 
he's basically, you know, ranked as the 23rd best prospect on mainstream boards. I personally, Cody, have him at number eight right now on my board. And I will say he was initially listed at six foot four when they did those measurements. I don't think that's the case. But whether he is six foot four or whether he's 5'11 or somewhere in between, Sharif Cooper is a top 10 guy for me in this draft class. Yeah, I'm with you. I also have him top 10, kind of slides depending on the day. Uh, the jump shot, imagine that is the major swing skill. If he can develop a jump shot, and there is hope despite his release, uh, he shot over 80% from the free throw line this year. And uh, he's going to have to retool it to be able to ever make it effective off the dribble. It's a little bit more of a set shot. He kind of leans back. But it's interesting to note, as always, that guys do make tons of improvement. If they get a great shooting coach, Fred Vincent, Chip Anglin, whoever, someone makes something click with them. um, And they develop a better shot. Chris Paul was not the shooter he is today when he entered the league, and he was still very effective because of his IQ and his ability to get to the rack. There is hope that Sharif Cooper would potentially become one of the top players in this draft class if he can figure out the jump shot. His creation, his smarts, his IQ, his handle is that good. Yeah, you can certainly make the argument that he is one of the more crafty and most skilled players in this class. And I love how he uses it to his advantage as a passer and creator in the half court because he doesn't have the size. So he doesn't have those natural passing lanes that a guy like Josh Giddy or even Cade Cunningham have or guys like Luca or, you know, your LeBrons in the NBA. But I love how he uses deception and craft to create passing lanes in the half court. He's fantastic using his eyes or using his head to fake out you know, his defender or help side defenders. He's fantastic using shot fakes or extra dribbles. And so he's got all these tricks to create passing lanes that you see from guys like Chris Paul, like you mentioned. He is, you know, at his size, you know, I mentioned Giddy is the best passer because of, you know, when you factor in the height. If we're not factoring in the height, Sharif Cooper is the best passer in this class. He is so skilled and he just has that special uh special ability on the ball that you you just know it when you see it with him yeah exactly he has something that you cannot teach offensively Uh, his basketball iq is that legit and it's a joy to watch he he's going to put tickets in the stands in my opinion as well and uh, before even the jump shot comes along He's so quick with his handle and his feet and so creative. He's going to be able to beat guys even if they are sagging a little bit. But he's also going to have to make them pay at the rim, whether it's developing the touch floaters, the runners, finger rolls, whatever layup packages. He's going to have to punish them by being able to finish just at a good enough rate where they have to step up and then he'll use that world-class passing to hit the open man. Yeah, totally agree. And and one point on top of what you're saying is, though he did struggle to finish at the rim, you know, at his size, he was blocked a lot at the rim. But one positive there going for him is his free throw rate was pretty through the roof. It was crazy. Uh, he gets to the line a ton. So I do think that that can mask some issues in terms of finishing at his size at the rim. And I, I do think he 
we'll need to work on developing a floater. That's just something we see, uh, especially guys like Trey Young, some of the smaller point guards at the NBA level, if he is going to be a creator on the ball. The reason why I am a bit lower on him compared to a guy like Josh Giddy is because if he doesn't make it as a primary guy, it's hard for me to see where else he fits in. You know, if he isn't a high level on ball primary guy, that probably means he's a backup point guard in the NBA. Yeah, he doesn't do much. He needs the ball in his hand or he doesn't do much when he doesn't have the ball. So he's a guy that has to have the ball in his hands. That's his calling card. That's his meal ticket, however you want to phrase it. And so if he's not your starting point guard, uh, hopefully he ends up at the very least somewhere where they give him kind of the keys when he's in there off the bench. Yep. And the reason why we have him just so much higher is again, just that creation primary upside. Every team needs it. Those are the guys that transform and make franchises. And if you're telling me you can get this guy in the twenties and just have that shot at a potential primary creator, that is too good to pass up. And to me, that's why he is a top 10 guy in this class. Um, but we wanted to finish today, Cody, by just mentioning we're not going to go in detail on these guys, but a few more kind of honorable mentions in terms of some you, more guys that we liked more. Sorry than to interrupt. Did you want to do Rocco real fast? Oh, yeah. I hadn't even done. I hadn't <laughs> even done my guy. I was too excited about Reef because he is also one of my guys in this class. So we'll just do Rocco really quick. For those that do listen to our podcast, you'll know that we went in depth on Rocco and some of the other big wings when we compared them all. I think that was two weeks ago. So go ahead, go back and give that a listen. But the thought process with Rocco is that he is another big wing. He fills the physical prototype that you look for. Plus he has the foundations of skill really across the board that you look for. You know, if you squint your eyes and look at him and project looking forward, there isn't really anything that he doesn't do well. Now, that's not to say that all of those skills are going to develop and he's going to become an all-star. But what that does mean is he has lots of potential avenues to success. And depending on which one's hit, there's different roles that he might end up fulfilling. And so I just think that having that base of skill sets skill set plus the physical tools at six foot nine with good movement ability to me that's too good to pass up he is currently projected to go in the beginning of the second round and i have him slotted in there with jt thor in the 10 to 14 range on my board yeah i think you summarized it well he is as you say well maybe you wouldn't you know, categorize him as a grease guy. But I kind of think he's in that mold where he does a little bit of everything pretty well. He's not a guy that has one specific skill where he's, you know, your specialist. He's just got great size. Uh, he's tough. He moves really well. He's strong and he passes great. He shoots well enough. Uh, he rebounds well enough. I think he's a guy that will bring a little bit of everything to the table, and he's got a lot of room for growth at only 18 years old. Exactly. Like some people might say, well, why draft a guy that's only, you know, just good at everything but not great at any one thing? Well, the point is that he is the youngest player in the draft. He's already 
very good and he was productive in a professional league overseas. So the point is with those physical tools that we know are going to translate, if some of those skills just develop, like let's just say, you know, when you look at the shooting, passing, handling, uh, you know, the defensive skills, if only just a few of those really develop, then you've got a really good player, but there's a chance that even more, right? And so I love the the base of skills that we're looking at with the physical tools. Plus, I'd say he's a pretty, he's not a crazy high field player. He's not a Sharif. He's not a Josh Giddy, but he's one step behind that where he is certainly better than the average prospect in terms of his IQ and his feel. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important to know if you're six foot and you're just kind of pretty good at everything, that's not necessarily going to work. But he is solid at all these things and he has great, great size and movement ability. All right. So now let's get into some of our honorable mentions. I'll start first, Cody. Moses Moody, I think you will share the same sentiment with me. On average, looking at these mainstream boards, he's projected to go in kind of the 11 to 15 range. I think 13 on average. I personally have him uh, either 6, 7, or 8 on my board, depending on the day. So I've got him about 4 to 7 spots above consensus on average. But again, this is towards the beginning of the draft. So each pick you go up is a pretty significant jump. Uh Do you agree with me there? Are you higher than the consensus on Moody? Yep, I am with you. Uh, For any of us or any of you who have listened to Sam and I talk about Moody, you know that we really like him as an NBA player. So I'm with you there. Another one for me would be Chris Duarte, another guy that's a little bit older. But at 6'6", very, very solid defensively and can shoot the ball uh, spotting up or off the dribble mid-range, I think he's going to give someone value uh, compared to where he's being slotted right now. Yeah, my next guy on my list is I, Isaiah Jackson, who it seems has slid maybe a little bit. He's kind of projected to go by mainstream boards, uh, middle of the 20s. I have him in the 13 to 15 range on my board. I think he's an elite athlete when you talk about being coverage and scheme versatile i think he's a as good a bet as any to be able to switch across multiple positions has frankly pretty freakish athletic tools and i think he's got some offensive upside that he didn't get the chance to show at kentucky you know every year now we see someone leave kentucky and just show something that we didn't necessarily get to see in their time at college i do believe isaiah jackson will be that guy this year yeah, another one for me, especially if he really buys in defensively, is Quentin Grimes. I think the defensive end, he's athletic enough. He's tough. Uh, I think he can be a great defender at the next level. And he is very, very, very skilled and can shoot the ball lights out. I've liked him a lot. I know Sam has too. And then he did just have those great performances in the scrimmages at the Combine. I think he's got NBA player written all over him. Yeah, we had talked about him before as an early second round pick, and it seems like he's moved up with his combine performance. Um, I've got two more guys. One of them is projected by mainstream guys to probably go undrafted. That's Aaron Wiggins, who another wing with physical tools that I've been higher on in terms of just his projection at the next level. Again, 
similar to a guy like Najee Marshall last year, where, you know, I'm looking to target these guys in the 6'6 to 6'9 range with good physical tools, and then I can work with them in terms of their skill set from there. And I do think Wiggins' skill set has been underrated. But again, a fantastic athlete at that size. I have him kind of as an early second round pick on my board, so much higher than the consensus. And then the last one for me, Cody, and I think we also share the same sentiment on this final one, is Miles McBride, who is projected to be maybe a a late first pick, but I'd say more in the early second range. Give me your short short summary on why you're higher on on Deuce McBride. a little bit undersized at 6'2", but yeah, when you bring that 6'10", uh, length, that wingspan, and Bob Huggins calls one of the toughest players he's ever coached, a guy that shot really well from three this year, too. He has a great trajectory right now, and if you can defend um, taller guys at that height, like we've seen some smaller guards do, and you're continuing to improve on offense on the pace that McBride is. Uh, I love that. I love the toughness. Uh, he he is someone that I would definitely uh, not blame any team for taking him in the first round. And I will finish this podcast by saying, Cody, we talked about with JT Thor, him being a similar player type or at least filling a similar role to either maybe a Kai Jones, uh, you know, but getting him much later than either like a Kai or a Jonathan Kaminga. Well, this is another great example where Miles McBride versus Davion Mitchell. I know that I believe that if you get McBride 20 spots later than than Davion Mitchell, that is great value. And I will remind you that Miles McBride, or let's start with this, Davion Mitchell took four seasons in college to have a better season than McBride had as a freshman. Uh, he, he just, to me, is a very similar prospect to Davion Mitchell, if not even better. So I love the value there. All righty. Well, thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Draft Dummies. Give us a review on Apple iTunes. And please listen, if you don't already, to the other uh, hosts on the NBA, ben, the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. They're doing awesome work there. Be sure to tune in to us next time as well. We'll see you then. Starting July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey. Featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts such as Brian Scalabrini, the Red Mamba. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey.